Good morning, good evening, good night, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rashad Penn here for another episode of BroughtUpC.com right here. Uh, it's been a while since I've been talking about things here in the Bahamas, but we're back and we're back large and in charge just in time for Mental Health, Health Awareness Month in May. And I have on with me on this podcast, Antoinette, Antoinette Anderson, um, someone I've known in a part of my life a long time ago uh, as a photographer. And we've kind of been on and off. And it just came to me because I started to realize what's going on in this country that we have a lot of problems going on and they're not being addressed properly. Even more so for men and the situation that I've heard a lot of friends are in, um, we have a mental health problem. But let me talk about my guests for a second. Let me give the rundown so we know who we're talking to. And we know that they're well qualified to talk about this topic because this is a hot one, okay? And and there's a reason why I brought her on today. So, Ms. Antoinette Anderson is a Bahamian-trained mental health therapist. She currently works at the Health Education Demand Reduction Officer, sorry, as a Health Education Demand Reduction Officer at the Bahamas National Drug Council in the Ministry of Health. Her responsibilities include working with and creating programs that reduce the use and abuse of alcohol, tobacco, and other illicit drugs. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Ms. Anderson is also the CEO of A.S. Anderson Consultancy Services, a virtual and mobile mental health therapy firm. She's a proud graduate of the R.M. Bailey High School in New Providence and holds a bachelor's, sorry, holds bachelor's degrees in theology and psychology. And she's also a degree candidate for a master's in organizational psychology from UNICAF University and a member of the National Honor Society of Psychology, Psychi. That is correct, right? Ms. Anderson yeah, has awesome. worked. Good, good. She's also worked in many areas in mental health in both the United States and in the Bahamas, but she's also held positions as an in-home therapist with Camelot Care Center in Tennessee. And she's also worked as a trainee welfare officer in the Department of Social Services in the Bahamas for over 11 years. Her interest in mental health care has led her to volunteer in various local agencies such as Scan Bahamas. Her professional interests include child and adolescent counseling, women's empowerment, grief counseling, and motivational speaking. In her spare time, she is an avid gamer, mainly crushing candy to relax, and she has been married to Brian Anderson for the past nine years. And they are proud parents of a fur baby, Miss Ruby Ann Adelie Anderson. First of all, um, even though all those accolades are great, what's a fur baby? My puppy, my dog. That's a fur baby. I don't have a human baby. I have a dog. Oh, so it's a little root. But okay, Miss Ruby Ann is her name. Ruby. Ruby is a toy breed Shitsu who is 16 oh. years old this year. She's been around Presently for a while. Blind. Yeah, she's been around blind in one eye. She's She's getting down, but she's still here, and I thank God for that. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's good. Yeah. So having a pet, I realized, and I can tell from my own personal experience, having a pet kind of keeps things calm, um, especially when it comes to mental health, you know, uh, especially dogs. They don't care what's going on. They're always going to be there for you, you know. They cuddle up against yes. you and things like that. So having a pet, I found over the years, and this is pretty much one of the first times in my lives I have not had a pet and I'm missing it. So I think oh, wow. I'm going to have a, have a, my last dog was Sheba. And that's, that's been about six years ago. 
Um, it was my last pet I had, and it's been six years that I've not had a dog by my side. So it, it's been rough for me. <laughs> so I definitely understand. So let's talk about this month of May, talking about mental health. What is what is mental health? Because people talk about health all the time. You know, we think about going to the gym, eating healthy, exercising. You're always taking care of the body, but mental health is something different. Can you explain exactly what is meant by that? Mental health is mind health. You know, your thought pattern, what's going on on the inside, how you deal with what your reactions are, um, how you take care of your mind. So that's that's really what mental health covers. So is, mind there, health. is there a criteria like, for example, they have the body mass index BMI for the body. You know, if you're over a certain height and a certain weight, they tell you you're overweight or grossly overweight or underweight. So is there any type of scale for mental health? Um, that that depends on the person. So um I will I will step back a second. Mental health mental health includes your emotional, your social and then your psychological well being. Mm -hmm. Um everyone is different. So the way um one person would react to a particular situation or circumstance totally different from how someone else reacts to it. And so what, what the threshold is for everybody is not the same. So mm -hmm. my, my, my threshold for stress, uh, pain, or disappointment may be, I may be able to handle it and just keep chucking along, whereas you would, would have a break. You, you would have a moment. I, I say a moment. You may go into depression. Um, you may have suicidal thoughts. So it depends on the person's threshold. Hmm. It's not really... Uh, I mean, there are different, they're different assessments that you take depending on what is going on. But it's all... It's not the same for everybody. Okay, so... You mentioned a few things that there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, what I'm trying to ascertain, I'm trying to understand, and like make sure everyone else understands. When we talking about mental health, because you mentioned a lot of things like your, how's your, your social, your mental part of it, what, how do you handle pain and disappointment, and even that big mm -hmm. heavy D word, depression, um, which I, I'm just realizing and understanding how that works. So, so for a person, let's just let's let's call this person John. So John is an average Bahamian. Um, John Rowe, that's a common name. I'm sorry, I'm sure there has to be at least five John Rose in the Bahamas. But anyway, let's say John now, he he has a family. He's under stress from work. He's under stress at home. Um, but like you say, everyone threshold for that stress is different. But where is that breaking point? Or where how does how do they manage that breaking point? Like where do they what are the things or coping mechanisms do you recommend that most persons will have to carry on to find that balance? Because I've heard of people talking about, oh, life need balance. And then I heard another speaker saying that it's no such thing as balance. You just have to choose what you're going to do and go, you know, go, go hard on on that. So is there such a thing as life balance where you can balance your mental um, health and your physical health or what, how does this work? Sure. Okay. So that comes um, with self-care. And I know, I know we, you follow me and we're on, on, you see my statuses from time to time. And so I take the weekend to focus on self-care, mm -hmm. taking care of yourself, shutting down, um, staying in, watching TV, being with friends, journaling, um, 
whatever puts your mind at peace, sitting on the beach in front of water, anything that takes, that helps you take care of your mind health, your social health, your psychological health, right? right. And so you, 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 you do self-care and everybody has to, everybody should be. And I, I will preface by saying, I will not, will not preface anymore because I'm already in it. I'm already saying, I, I post about self-care and this week I realized I don't really practice self-care on myself, if that makes sense to you. So, so are so you telling me, as, so, so the, the younger folks nowadays who, who, who are more into themselves, they, and we heard this, I guess it's new generation. I don't know which generation. I guess it's the millennials. No, it's not millennials because they got drawn for that. Well, generation Z or whatever it is. They are of the opinion that they take care of themselves. So is that, yes. that's what we're talking about. Like do what makes me happy. Yeah, that's self-care. Yeah, that's self-care. Okay, so look at any typical youngin is what I call them. <laughs> Anybody who is under, let me say, 35 under 40. I mean, you have some who are over it, still doing it, but let's use the under 40 crowd. They will go to the movies. They will go to the club. They're going to get their nails too. They will go and get a massage. They are getting their pedicures or manicures. They are going to brunch. They are doing stuff to take care of themselves. They are investing in themselves. So how does that, okay, here's the balance. And that's important. I think the, the the issue of the balance comes into here where me talking about now working life balance. So in order to do those things, to go out and spend money on yourself, you got you have to work. And so what's right. happening now is persons are going to these workplaces and they're not uh they're not staying there. So it's like how are you going to support the lifestyle that you want to live if you're not going to um stick Why are they stick not staying? Again, because what what I'm what I'm understanding, they're not staying because they feel as if the job is not conducive to what they want, because it's not catering to them, as they would say. Um, they're not. What's the word? I don't. I don't want to say the word empathetic to them. They're not staying. They're not staying. Gen Gen Y. Lord, I should have. I should have the other computer up so I could pull up the paper so I could tell you exactly why. But from my memory, doing a paper in my organizational site. One of my classes is they're not staying because they are not being compensated properly. But that's everyone, though. We, yeah, but <laughs> that means no one would like, no one would ever stay in a job. No, <laughs> Generation Y isn't like us. Okay, they're not like they're not like our generation or our parents' generation who stuck it out. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm not being compensated adequately for my services, but in my mind, I really need this job. Right, I can make this job work. It is what it is. I'm gonna get stressed out. I mean, because you, but you are stressed out. I mean, if you really look at it, you are stressed out because you recognize that you are not being, um adequately compensated right mm-hmm. right but you still stay why are you staying sometimes people just can't find another job it's very difficult especially in the job market are you tough. even are you even looking for another job 
Yeah, I'm just saying. We're saying John Roll is looking for. No, another I'm job. just saying right. John John Roll John Roll may be looking for another job. Here's here's another thing about these young people. They're educated, mm-hmm. right? They did it. They they've been to college. They have their little degree and stuff. Right. Right. And so, in their mind, they're just like, hey, I need to be dealing with this. Right? Why dealing with this? Because you I want to... you. I, I'm I'm being a I'm being the devil's advocate here, right? And I'm pushing I because I know, right? So, because we're still talking about this mental health thing, so. Right. I'm I'm from old school myself, right? But at the same time, I don't take nonsense. If I if I feel as if I'm being um, taken advantage of, there's other ways of dealing with stuff. But so, how I look at it, and I'm looking at myself now, comparing myself to John Rowe. When I was a young kid, younger person, again, you want to change the world. I understand that, and there's things you want to do. You want to support that lifestyle. However, if I'm educated. I go to this job. They're not paying me the way they should be paying me. And I feel as if, you know, there's some some issues I have to deal with. In your mind, you already know this is only temporary, right? But what I'm seeing for me, like you say, I'm old school. I would have stick it out because I know I need this money in order to take that next step. I need to save up this money in order to get something else so I can move on to the next step. But what I'm seeing is these, the, the, the generation wise, you call them, they would just quit. I'm like, Hold on. Did you not have a plan? <laughs> so you right now went from, I don't know, whatever amount of money, let's say 300 a week or whatever, to zero because you felt as if this person doesn't care about you. As far For me now, and this is where I'm, we're going to compare this mental thing. For me, I'm getting 300 a week and I'm taking that 300 and I'm gonna, it's going to take me so many weeks to build up what I need so I can leave this job and go to the next place that I want to go to. So... I would be like you mentioned, I will take that abuse because that's what it is. I would take that abuse in order to reach another goal. But what we're seeing now, these persons are more interested, like you say, in their mental health and they would prefer to cut it completely off and go to zero dollars and start over again or wait for that job that's going to pay them what they want. Now, explain those two. For, for me, like I said, it was abuse for me, but I moved along a certain way. And now I'm finding persons that I'm talking to, they are full up education. What would you say? Full up with education, but you're on the payroll. So now you have all this education, but you, because you keep quitting your jobs, when you go for the next job, they're like, why didn't you stay here? This is like five jobs in less than one year. You don't seem to have stickability. So that doesn't look good. Even if you hide it, it's, it's going to come to that point okay. where you don't want it. So how does this all work together now? Okay. So it's not Generation Y. Okay. Um, it's Gen Z. So Generation X, I because I wanted to find the information to give it to you. Generation X is concerned about work-life balance. That's us. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out this work-life balance. Generation Y is focused on flexibility in the workplace. That's the set that are like. So we're probably 50s. I'm 50. We're in 50s. Mm-hmm. That's like 30-something 40 something, 40, 30, late 30s, 250. They, okay. they are concerned about um, flexibility in the workplace. Do I have to come here every day? See, the pandemic opened up something for a lot of us dealing yeah, with true. mental health that showed us we didn't have to go into an office to work. Yeah. 
Then everything opened up and now you have to come. Why do I have to come back there? Like <laughs> I generation Y and I don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. Can I just, because a lot of what I do, I could do at home. Like, why do I have to come there? I don't want to be around people nowhere. <laughs> I mean, just to be, I mean, being really honest. Generation Z, on the other hand, just the 20-something. They got out of school. They went straight to college. So they didn't have their degree. They are focused on finances. You're going to pay me. Because when I get a lifestyle to maintain. <laughs> I'm talking about the set who ain't been to college. I'm talking about the set who knows something. Right. I got a lifestyle to maintain. My parents have brought me up in a certain way where I have a vehicle. I could do X, Y, Z. I could take care of this, that, and the next thing. I don't have to worry about where I live in because my parents have an apartment on the side of the house that I live in. So I have my own space. I have my own car. And my friends. And we want to do stuff. We want to go to Bali. Mm. We want to travel. We want to go to Fiji. And you ain't paying me to do what I, I need to be doing. Oh, okay. Right? And so they dip. Because they will find another job. Okay. And so if we were taking care of our mental health, how many older folks, Lord, may have to edit this. How many people <laughs> working in particular environment don't want to leave at look i ready to retire now but you are 60 61 62 63 you 65 and you freaking out because they're telling you a time to oh but i still get bills to pay why do you still have bills to pay but even even with that right okay okay good good point actually great point so because i'm i'm balancing this now and i'm looking at generation z and this is why I'm afraid for them, for that same reason. They enjoy their lives in the beginning. So the Generation X, boom, baby boomers, they always enjoy their life on the end, on the back end. So they work, save up. Some who do that, who manage their monies well, you know, are able to retire and they can travel the world afterwards. So a lot of, I, fi- I think that a lot of the Generation Z, um, their parents did that. And they look at that and say, no, I don't want that. So they enjoy their life first. But now it's the instability for me. So I'm having a hard time. Me, I'm having a hard time understanding the instability of you always constantly doing that. Okay, you're going to pay me for this. Fine. I'm about to say something. Stick a pin. Stick okay, a pin. go ahead. You say Generation X on the back end. Mm-hmm. So you work until you are 65. Mm-hmm. Right? And you retire. How right. many of them get 10 years post-retirement to have fun? See, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said there was only a few that that happened too, that that happens with. Exactly. You don't, you don't find, it's not much. It's not much. So I understand exactly. where Z is coming so from. You, you work, you, you have this set of people who, who are stressed out and work themselves basically into the grave. And mm-hmm. then you have this other set who, who, they care not what tomorrow shall bring. We go eat cake today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then you have generation Y in the middle who who is who is a little more 
who was a little more stable and they're like, okay, I don't mind working, but I need this to be flexible because I do have a life outside of it. Right. I, even though I'm no, I'm, I'm classified as Gen X, I would say I'm, I'm more geared to Gen Y in my thinking now. Mm-hmm. I need that flexibility because there's other things that I want to do. If I could, if everything was, was in its place, I, I would retire. So think about it this way. Um, Rashad, what is your dream job? Well, it wouldn't be a job, by the way, but <laughs> what is your what is your what what is your dream? What is the dream thing you want to be doing? So something that I am working on right now, this is why I mentioned that. And my whole idea, like I told my wife, we are to and I'm working on this. We're gonna buy purchase a RV, one that's a small, nice caravan, and we're gonna put that on the mailboat and we're gonna travel from island to island. And once we stay in that, I'm just going to take photographs and sell those photographs just for the fun of it. That's all I want to do. That's all my Jesus right there. <laughs> That's it. So my dream is to have an Airbnb, a bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. I can see myself in the kitchen. I can see myself planning what my guests are going to eat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I still have the leeway to do sessions, therapy sessions for, for, for those people I know that would want to. But my dream is to cook. I, I prefer to cook for people. Cooking is therapy. Cooking makes people, food makes people happy, especially if it's good food. And I feel like being in a place where I'm able to serve good food and there's a nice ambiance and it's laid back and chill, that's me. If, if, if I could, that's what I would be doing. So I'm not, let's, let's take that same, both our concepts. Let's take both our concepts of what we want to do and compare it to the, each one of the generations. So again, let's go to Gen Z, the now ones, um, for them. What, how do they, they don't live their lives now. So they would go they're and not, just, they're not, they're not concerned about that. They're not there to be concerned about life in that way. So how is that good mental health? Mind you, I hear what you're saying about doing what you want to do, but you also have to live. Too much of one thing is never good. It seems to be heavy for for Gen Z. But they look at how... They look at how their parents and grandparents have been living. Yes. And is that a good way to live? Right. I, I wanted to call a name who's popular on Facebook, but there's a young man who's popular on Facebook. Honey, when he died, they could sure say he had he lived his life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And I subscribed to that. This young man, you may know who I mean. He I'll call his name Kidar Clark. I admire how he lives. Okay. He will travel. He gonna go places. He gonna enjoy himself. He's employed though. He's gainfully employed because he's he's a designer. Mm-hmm. You understand? So he's see. I think Gen Z mentally is moving away from this. You gotta have this kind of job and do this kind of thing in order to live. They are the more artistic persons in our community. 
And that's something that wasn't pushed back in the day. Right. Like we were, we were, we were taught at, oh, education is so very important and you got to get a degree because you got to be this, 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 and this. And what happened to trades? I, I think if, if I could have gone back in time, I would have gone to cooking school. So again, okay, that's a conversation I've had before talking about the same thing about trades, you know. Um, right. And I, and I have right. to, I have to give props to my grandfather. Um, he taught my brother and I pretty much how to use tools, you know, to build and stuff like that. So we didn't go to right. BTVI, even though I did go to BTVI later in life. I end up with certain traits that I can always, my grandmother would say, oh, I have something to fall back on. And, exactly. Um, so we, like you say, we were taught that way. We were taught that way to be that way. The creative part of it, because you see, as you, you know me as a photographer, that was a creative part of me. That was not um, considered to be a way to make money back in the day. Or you can't survive on that. You can't make money taking pictures is what they would say. You know, but it was the creative part of me wanting to step out and do that. And I, I, of course, I found a way to do it <laughs> no matter what. So today, like you said, they're the creative generation. The world has changed enough to allow that now, you know? Exactly. So they're able to do that. So that's good. So the question I want to find, and I, I, I guess we need someone from this generation to really clarify this. Because, again, the way I was brought up, um, you look for security. You can do things on the side, what you have to do, but you get that security to help build what you want to do on the side, you know, and that's not fall back. And dare I say, um, for many of us, that's the regular nine to five, and in most instances, a government job, mm-hmm. which, Lord, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. It is what it is. Which comes with its fair share of stressors. Yes, I agree. So let's get into this then. Because now we're making some sense now of understanding mental health, all right? Finding that balance between the stressors in our life, whether it be work. Let's let's go one deeper. So places that we go, work is one place. How about stress at home or difficult situations at home? What have you seen in your Oh yeah. Um Especially young people, the, I think the, I don't think I know, the pandemic brought out a different type of stress, not only for parents, but for children. So what happened during the pandemic? Many people got laid off from work. Mm -hmm. So the way people were living prior to the pandemic totally changed um, because of it. Mommy don't have no job. Daddy don't have no job. How many people we saw? online trying to get grocery to feed their family right. you know yeah little 20 dollars here which really couldn't buy anything little 10 dollars there that that couldn't do anything there was this there was this push to try and take care of your family and things changed things changed and then families started coming together um school School wasn't school anymore. Our children went from being online, I mean, from being in person with their friends, playing, going to pee, sitting and having lunch, laughing, and all of that stuff in the classroom, to sitting in front of a computer, not being able to see their friends in person. There was no hanging out. 
There was no going to the mall. There was no, oh, it's your party. Let's go. Let's go out. We're going to a birthday party. We're going to Fusion or whatever have you. So that was tough on Jay-Z. And, oh, no, that was tough on the little one. Nah. I don't know what to call them. The, the babies, our little. Yes. And so a lot of people didn't think, what is this doing to the little? It took a major toll on them. And we, um, in my work at the drug council, I remember my director, um, another colleague and I went through the fallout one day and I started writing down because everybody was just focused on this financial fallout of the pandemic. Do you, do you realize the socioeconomic, the mental health, the social health, the psychological health where we're, we're right we're right in the throes of dealing with because of the pandemic mm. no idea there was no social interaction so there was a bunch of young people who lost that social interaction yeah. everything was online we lived online and they didn't learn you have some students who are now going into grade seven who literally missed grades four and five. Grade, wow. They were in school in grade three. They came out of school in grade three, four, and five. They didn't have school. Right. And now they're back in school. And so we have, we have, we see, I've seen in my work, I've seen a lot of people who, a lot of young people who are depressed. And, you know, we're bohemian. How you get depressed? Go depressed. You depressed? Go wash them dishes. That's what depressed them dishes. <laughs> We don't take, we don't take the fact that mental health is actually a serious thing that people, that children, that adults, that men, that women are dealing with. Coping mechanisms are just like nothing. There's very little coping mechanism. So a lot of us don't know how to cope. That's why I said what the way I deal with certain things, I realize how strong I, I've been through a lot of crap, but I'm, I'm a really strong person. So I may be down for a day or two, but I can bounce back and I can be straight. Mm-hmm. And you look at me like, matter sick, I thought we had her. No, you ain't had me. Nigga, you can't have me because you don't know me. <laughs> right? That's my mentality. I, I know that I'm, <clears throat> I have my, I have my down times, but I'm a very strong person. And I'm married to a strong person. Right. What else happened in the, during the pandemic? A lot of people who were married, who were not together, were forced to be together. I have a friend who was a lawyer and we talked about the amount of filings that came out of the pandemic. People was filing for divorce like crazy. Because now they really get to know this, this person. Because now you got to be with somebody you don't like. No, because I with somebody I didn't like, I didn't like you. <laughs> But we was flamming. Because see, I could say with you, but I didn't really wish you. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't really with. During the pandemic, who was going to their sweetheart house? Ah. Right? The, unfortunately, there was not the opportunity. Although that man, that one man, he's going to get a little bit. <laughs> and the police lock him up. i sorry, that's funny, but it wasn't funny. So, break right there. So, <laughs> there's, there wasn't. It, could you? I'm sorry, could, it's so much. 
could sweethearting be considered as a coping mechanism for persons in a marriage that, that they don't want to be it? Then you shouldn't be married. But they're in a situation already. I guess, you know, but then the financial you know, no. the financial so, aspects of it, people somehow the, hold on all the children. <laughs> this, I don't think children should be a determination factor of you staying with somebody you don't want to be with. Me. If you don't want to be with me, then I would prefer you to leave than to stay you with me. But then everybody, and you know, people just be sweethearting and there's, there's they, they friends, them know, they family know, everybody know you dipping out on Susie, except for Susie. But no, but Susie, sometimes she don't know you dipping out on her. You think Susie care? Mm-hmm. Susie could be the one to say, child, I, you, you could, you could afford to go sweetheart. I ain't staying with nobody who don't want to be with me. Again, so this is another mental issue right there. I mean, relation. We exactly. Could come, we could come to relationships in a second, but let's 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 continue with the the kids in in the household. Lord, we uh, can eat on that. We definitely <laughs> need more than one session because it's too much to come back to. But the children in the household suffered greatly, and then of course we had an an a saturation of um sexual molestation. Because granddaddy was, a, you know, something. granddaddy was already nasty. Who then juicy daughter? Mm-hmm. See this little girl in the house and she bump and she get them nice little quickie breasts. I just keeping it real because yeah, yeah. this is what it was. And granddaddy can't hold himself. So granddaddy tried to hold her down in the bedroom and she screamed. And she tell her daddy, who cares to the police? Now granddaddy get locked up. Mm-hmm. And I can leave that right there. And, and okay, I will add this. And then you find out the reason why mommy's stressed out is because granddaddy do that to her. Mm. her dad, you understand? Right. Granddaddy was her daddy didn't do that to her. So she feel like, well, if he do it to me and get away with it, he could do it to you and get away. No, he shouldn't have get away with the first place. And Grammy's sad because you, because now you the, you the bad person for causing granddaddy to go away. And who's supposed to take care of us? Granddaddy so, should have been in jail long time. There was a situation. I don't think this wasn't during the pandemic. It had to be before the pandemic. Um, this story came out of this girl in Freeport, and like I don't know if you're talking about her, but that, that was the exact same thing because she brought it out no. on social media. Um, she was she recorded talking to her mother, and she's asking her mother why did she did not. Oh, protect I know her. what that is. Okay. Yeah, that was a different thing, and yeah. But okay. Yeah, just yeah, the situation. I, let me just say this on that situation, which I'm aware of. I stand with her. I believe her. I don't doubt for one second that it happened to her. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other stuff that went down um, because of her relations, which was sad. Um, it made me think some, because of because of what I do, it made me think some things. You right. understand? Right. It made me wonder if certain things happened, but I'm I'm quite aware of that situation. And yeah, mom mom i think mom said what you expect me to do who was gonna take care of us yes yes but she she was made to look like a villain i think mom has since passed away even in situation like that because i don't know it for me right okay is like i know what things would happen right some things that happened but that's the first i heard the whole story so I I, I kind of got invested in the hearing mm-hmm. what what actually happened, and 
and some other things came out after that. Some other persons posted some things about it. You know, living like you mentioned, living in the same home, and this person did that, but they take care of everybody in the house. And I remember sitting down talking to my wife about that, and I was like, "But sometimes people don't see no other way." It's like to them, like mom, like she, how she said, "What you expect me to do?" In her mind, even though people saying, "Oh, you should go to the police," you should do, you should do that. But you got to realize where these people are coming from. As far as she know, this this is probably the best she's ever going to get. So she rationalized it within herself. And I say, and I told my wife, I'm I'm not I'm not advocating for that. But you got to realize some people don't ever see no other way out. We can see our way out because we've seen different. We've seen better. We can do these things. But some persons are so deep in these things that they don't know no other way out. And that was the sad reality of it. Mm-hmm. You know? But um, I'll tell you a quick story because I, I know we, we talked about this part. I remember I was dating this girl way before I was married. I was really young at the time. I was picking this girl up from our from our neighbor. They lived in this cul-de-sac area. And every time I pass, I keep hearing this house, like, arguing and rowing and screaming, screaming coming from the house. And the neighbor's just standing out looking around. I didn't know what's going on, so I didn't really pay attention. And doing this after a while, I, I realized something was going on between the stepdad and the daughter. Because the time I went there, the daughter came running out. The stepdaughter, she came running out, like, almost half naked. And I was like, well, what's going on? I didn't really know what was happening. But something inside me, I was young. Again, at the time, I was in the martial arts, so I, I was indestructible. That's what I thought in my mind. I beat the guy up. I'm like, why are you, why are you beating this girl? And I, and I curse all the neighbors. It's like, y'all, y'all know this going on. And you're allowing this? Right, and did nothing. Did nothing? I say, but if I see one of y'all in the street, like, I really care. I was carrying on bad. I was so upset. I was really, really upset about the whole situation. And I had to route a girl I was with. I say, why you didn't tell me about this? You knew about this too. Like, I, I just gone off on everybody in that area. Like I say, this was a cul-de-sac, so everybody knew. It's not like people passing through here. You all knew this. This man is not this girl's daughter. And I was trying to figure out where the mother was because I wanted to give her something too. Like, why are you allowing this? Again, my young brain, seeing this atrocity, didn't know the ins and outs of how this thing worked. Like, how I wasn't able to put myself in shoes, even though, I'm, again, I'm not justifying it. But some people see no other way out, you know? But mm-hmm. I understand this is a common thing in this country. How, how, how do you, as a therapist, dealing with this type of thing, how do you guys deal with this? Is the government doing it? No, you know what? I don't know if we want to call on the government because we're not going to start Please that. Don't. But how do we deal with this? Let's say persons that are in this situation, what's their hope? Because you mentioned something earlier about, uh, you know, when you were younger, you always wanted something where people could call in, you know, right. and, and talk about. Is that a mechanism that could be used? Is that available in the Bahamas? Um, No. Oh well, there God. are helplines, but... um, um. Oh boy, I don't, I your, don't, I don't know. Your pause, your pause said everything just now, because that's okay. sad that there's, there's no institution set up for people to be protected on that level. You okay, know? so when I first back, moved back, there was, um, there was, uh, what was that called? There was a lady um, not far from me 
Now, um, we, we live near St. Beats. So there was this young lady sitting in St. Beats graveyard with a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could tell she had actually slept in the graveyard the night before. Wow. So I was really concerned mm-hmm. and all of that. So I lived in Tennessee and I had what you would call, uh, um, I had a resource manual in the back of the car that I brought back with me. And so I'm like, okay, so who, who do you call? I remember calling Love 97. And I asked if there was, uh, like, who do I call to come and help her? And I remember the announcers at the time kind of person laughing at me like, where are you from? Like, you ain't Bahamian eh? Like, they thought it was kind of funny. I was wow. like, no. I said, I have a resource manual. And so, but that's not for here. Where's the resources for this young lady to get the assistance that she needs? And so um, I found out quickly that there wasn't any. There is a great need in this country for um, resources, homes for people who may have mental health challenges to um, have somewhere to stay, have somewhere to take a shower, um, to take care of their basic needs. And as that's that's mental health. That's needed. It's needed to there has there's a need to have things in place to help take care of people who may not be in a position to take care yes. of themselves. Right. Right. That's the social, social, emotional aspect of the of a person's life. Like if I can't take care of me, you know that kind of way. If I don't have anywhere where I can actually take a shower or I could take a bath or whatever have you just to take care of my basic needs, then what do I do? You see? And we don't have that. No. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah, that's not, that's not here. And that is a part of, that is another part a part of what is needed to maintain good mental health. When you hear about mental health, when you hear about seeing a therapist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a clinician, I'm a therapist. And the difference is I don't, I'm not clinical. So diagnosing, I don't do. Right. I, don't, I don't diagnose anybody. If, if I'm working with somebody and I realize that their situations are beyond my scope, I refer them to somebody who can work with them from that scope. I can do talk therapy or whatever have you, but I don't, I don't, I'm not a clinician. And so when you hear about go, everybody needs somebody to talk to, right? And unfortunately, in our demographic, there really isn't when you when you talk about okay, I need to go and talk to somebody. The first thing I said is, "I'm crazy. <laughs> I need to go to Sunland." Nobody said you were crazy. Nor did anybody say you needed to go to Sunland. It's just said that you you need to find somebody to talk to, right? And that's important. And I guess we'll do another session. But I will say this: dealing with the 
death of my father, I was grateful that a lot of my classmates from university who also did um, their master's in mental health, they call, they checked on me. Right. I had this constant flow of people checking to make sure that I was okay. Everybody needs a Switzerland. Everybody needs someone who that they can go to, to talk to who is neutral, that they can share what they're dealing with. I think that's the hardest part because, you know, sometimes you go to people and people, they go and carry that news that I just opened up to you, to other people. And now it's, it's all in the street. If you, if you train properly, then you know that I told you do way. I mean, I mean, I'm just talking in general because I'm not talking about a psychologist or anything like that. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I think that's another problem here in our, in our community. Mm -hmm. There is this thing that there is no confidentiality. Right. And so I tell people I, I flow with HIPAA and HIPAA is the law that guides confidentiality in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So everything I do, I think a hippo. I always say hippo. And people look at me, what is that? I, that's how you're supposed to work. That's, that's the confidentiality. You got to be, you got a whole, whole thing. Ain't everything is for public consumption. There's a lot of stuff I know about a lot of people here that nobody would ever know because you'd never know. Because even, even my work at SCAN, people didn't know that I actually was working at Scan, my director said, you may want to put that on your resume. Nope. Why? So because then people will know, have an idea of what I'm doing and I don't want nobody to know that. Like this, that's personal. Mm -hmm. Like that's really personal. And I was really sketchy with who knew what I was doing, where I was doing it because it's, it's a whole lot. Right? It's a whole lot of information. So I smile sometimes because I feel like when I worked on a family island for social services, my husband told me I had a nosy job because I knew everything that was going on. So before you and go on, you say scan. What is scan? So scan is the suspected um, child abuse and neglect clinic that's run by um, Adolescent Health. It's a whole scan unit to themselves. But so that is what they focus on. When people report things or you just, or things that right. you care, when you go and check it out. Right, when it's reported, if a child goes to the hospital and something doesn't look right, if something is reported, then they go to scan. Oh. Yeah. Because I thought for a second that's that's a number I can call if I think, hey, my neighbor is, no. is abusing no. a child. No, it's not that. No, no. Okay. If you feel that you can, you can, um, you can't call the police. That's 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 what it's there for. Yeah, the police. You can't call the police and say, "This is yeah." You can't do that. They say our friends. Yeah. They want us to help. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm I'm still stuck on the fact that we don't have. The necessary resources because it seems as if mental health is not a consideration at all in the Bahamas. I mean, even amongst the It actually is. I mean, from what I understand, the, the now minister of uh, 
health and wellness has mandated to give more focus on that of the mental health and well-being of the citizens of the country. That is good. So, yeah, men- mental health is is from what I'm understanding to be at the par- the forefront of a lot of what is going on. And a lot of people are hurting. Um, again, from the pandemic, um, the amount of people who died. You had families who lost two, three, four, five people at the same time. Yes. I remember when you had parents, you had mommy and daddy and son dead, mommy and daddy dead, like people who lost both parents at the same time, like both parents at the same time. And that just did something to me. That did something to me. Because you had people losing two, three, four people at the same time. How do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? What do you do? Who who was there to help? Now, death is a topic I think everyone can relate to. And as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. who is there to help? Because after, when it happens, everyone comes running. Um, doing okay. the the vigil or even the, the 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 funeral, everyone is there. They're at the wake. There and then a day after, there's no one, so you're left alone to cope with the situation. Mainly, with if you have a spouse, hopefully they're there with you, or some like a, a sibling who who understands it and they're you're close. But other than that, even when it comes to siblings, sometimes you you you're not that close to discuss certain things. So we f- we find a lot of people walking around with this this issue, this mental issue of loss, grief. Yeah, grief. It's a weight. Hmm. It's a weight. It's so weighty. And who who is there? I I remember right. Before the pandemic, I had a chance to speak with the great people of the um, lupus group. Mm-hmm. And I was grateful for that opportunity. Um, they had lost several members um, in a short space of time. And so they had need of someone to come and speak. And I was afforded the opportunity to speak to them. I'm really grateful for that. And um, and so I spoke to them on grief and loss and the stages. And there is a way I, I, I viewed it and I, I presented it. And so fast forward middle of the pandemic i i'm you know prompted by by someone i know man i know somebody and they have gone through this and they're looking for somebody to speak with a relative so i'm like okay cool i could do that that's not a big deal um that sounds like a plan and so um i I start working with this 
person as they process a double whammy of very close, very intimate family members, as close as you could think, as close as it was. And I learned so much from, and this, this was the younger person learned so much from her, from the way she, as, as we walked through the processing, the way she processed it. So I'm helping her, but she showed me some things that I didn't, you, you know, the way she did it, right. which was and to this day, I still use. Um, I remember one day going to our session. Like I said, I'm mobile when I do that. So I will come to you. And as I was praying in the car, which I worship, I pray, I listen to music or whatever. I found myself hearing God download to me. And he said, there was purpose in your pain because I had lost my dad. And that was the single most painful thing that's ever happened in my life. My dad passing away. There's no way to describe what that felt like. That was the absolute worst feeling that I could have ever imagined going through. And so now I'm helping this person deal with that. And it was an eye-opening experience, to say the least. Very eye-opening. Grief is grief, grief, grief is a session all to itself. Dealing with grief, processing grief, handling grief. That's something we could talk about all. all yeah, that, that alone. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask. Because we don't we don't do that here. Right. That's 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 the thing. Right. So someone dies, everybody comes to your house and they all come swinging their hand their hands. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say this, and they're looking for food. Mm-hmm. And I remember when my father passed away, one my daddy never liked people come to his house. So if anybody know Antoinette. Adelie, Shanria, if you've known me a long time when you listen to this podcast, my daddy didn't like people coming to his house. <laughs> he wasn't down with that. He didn't want nobody in his house. And so all these people enter the house. Why are you here? See, in my mind, I go straight to why are you here? Because I don't even want you here at this point. Because I don't want what, what we're dealing with to be happening. So I'm in my own shock. And I can't cry because now I have to plan this funeral that I should right. not be planning. Yeah. He should be here helping me. And he wasn't there to help me because he was smart with stuff like that, not me. I don't know stuff like that. And so people came swinging around. And I remember saying, please don't come here looking for no food because, you know, my, my mother ain't cooking for nobody. I started going straight behind on you just now. <laughs> I hope you get that. She ain't cooking for nobody. I say when I lived in the States and somebody died, everybody came with a covered dish. Mm. They have a they have a they have a, a a food train where every day somebody else is responsible for bringing a meal to the family so they can have something to eat. And you all come here swinging your other hand looking for food, that ain't gonna happen in this house. It is actually, no like that is mm-hmm. so foreign to us because I always wonder where it's so weird. I just lost someone. Why well, have to feed you? I have to and now you will not eat. Oh my gosh. You will not even trust oh trust you isn't gonna eat. So, anyways, um when I said that the neighbor 
a neighbor who's known us for such a long time, she actually said not to worry about it. I'll make sure that something is there for she started she put stuff together for mm-hmm. food to come. I said, because mommy ain't cooking. Mommy even ain't know if she gonna come and you expect for exactly. the Exactly. Coca? She ain't cooking for nobody. She just trying to figure out what's up out there. She done been with this man for 48 years, five months and two days. That's I know this. That's what she kept saying. And y'all expect for her to cook for y'all? The devil is a liar. And Antoinette ain't cooking for nobody. So that was out of the question. So we we have all of these people and they're there up until the time of the funeral. And then they come at the repast. Good God, I was livid at the repast because I didn't think my mother should have had one. But anyways, that's a different story. Go home and grieve. To come into this house for I, we came from. Let me tell you how we came from the funeral from the graveyard and met the yard full of people. Full of people I say, yeah, my God, he gotta be dead. Yes, I say he gotta be dead because in a way, all these people that was gonna be in his yard, like that made me mad because they were starting to, like they sitting there, they waiting. Can y'all leave? Waiting for go food. away. I mean, I'm sorry. That's how I felt. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I felt. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was borderline annoying. So they sit, they eat, they talk or whatever, and then they go. And then you are left there. It took me, it took me probably a week and a half after his funeral to realize he wasn't coming back. That sounds stupid. I was 44. But in that moment, I realized he wasn't coming back. I said, by now, he should be back. Because he's gone away before, and then a week later, he came. And it was something about the funeral that made that so, um, like, this is so real right now. This, This actually really happened, and he's actually not. He's not coming back. And in that moment, I that began. That's why I say grief is its own its own thing. That began my spiral that lasted two years and three months. And even with that, because I don't think there's at least I don't know. You may be able to correct me. I don't know if there's any coping mechanism to deal with grief, especially when it comes to loss of a loved one. I mean, it's it's it will always be with you. You know, it never really goes away. One, one smell, one sight, one sound oh, can bring Jesus. it all back. It's again, this is the you mental health process. You, you process. It's a process, and a lot of people I have on my on my for my business page. There is this um quote. That I saw, that I when I saw it, I said, "That's it. That, that is what that is what we do. That is what we are." It says, "I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was grief." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that in itself is a discussion. So we see people who are what What are you doing to cope? Oh, well, I drink it myself, silly. Helps you forget. No, you're just trying to numb it. Yeah. 
there's things people do to numb the pain. Pain, grief comes with pain. And what are you doing to numb that pain? So some people drink. Some people are angry. You see them angry. Why are you angry? What is the root of your anger? You're so pissed off. Like I was so mad with my daddy. I was mad because what I thought was wrong with him, I actually found out was I was mad that he didn't do treatments that he could have, that could have helped him because he didn't want to. I was mad when he finally, that when he finally admitted to my mom what was wrong with him. He told her not to tell me because he didn't want me to worry. I said, I don't like, nigga, you didn't want me to worry, but now you ain't here no more. I can't even talk to you. Like, that just killed me. You didn't want me to worry. Like, are you even serious? Like, that was the stupidest thing to me. You honestly didn't want me to worry. But now I'm hurting so bad because you're no longer here. So what I'm hearing, because I'm, um, <laughs> you, you've, you've alluded to that in different words through this entire conversation so far. As one of, one, it seems to be one of the major coping mechanisms is just being able to talk and get your feelings out. Yeah. Talk therapy. Process therapy. So I'm going to switch something right here. Um, Because you just mentioned something with your dad, and this is not unique to him. Like I said, I've been talking to some, some of my friends, male friends and persons that I know, and just started asking weird questions. And then sometimes they open up, sometimes they don't. But something happened. Uh, about two years ago, I think it was, that really turned me on to this whole mental health thing. Because, again, I was one of those persons like, but I ain't crazy. I ain't got no therapist. What you talking about? got to talk to nobody. But I didn't realize that it's needed. Even if it's not a licensed therapist, but you got to talk. So, this is more, and for me, I, I started looking at the male bohemian. Um mm-hmm especially in relationships and things that go on in their lives. And I realized we've been abused mentally. So, again, I, I talked to my wife about a lot of things, and she thought I was going down a spiral of women hating. I was like, no, babes, I need you to understand what I just realized of myself and what's been going on, right? I said, watch this carefully. I say something that you didn't really notice, but men notice, but we don't say nothing about it. So let's start with this part. I said, so the day I was born, do you think, how many persons do you think inside that room were men versus women? Chances are it's more women in there. So I say from, from the day I was born, it was women. Who took care of me in the hospital was women. When I came out, my mother took me. When I went to school, it was women. In my entire life, when you go to a store, the chances of interacting with a female is at least 95 to 98%, especially when it comes to any store, but it comes with, with cash transaction. The chances are you're always going to interact with a female, right? And so she's saying, oh, you think women can't? I say, no, you're missing my point. Follow me. Follow me carefully. And this is why we don't talk about these things. And this is why men don't say nothing and we why your dad didn't say nothing to you. Our entire lives as men were literally dictated by women. But you really look at it. And this is why you, where you find men who were abused by their mothers mentally. 
And then when they go into relationships, there's a problem. Or he's a mama's boy. He's this, he's so on and so forth, right? It's because that's the way we were brought up. We were always brought up. Watch this now. Watch this. Take care of your family. Take care of your your of the women in your family. Take care, take care, take care, take care. No one ever talked about taking care of yourself. How many times have you heard men ever talk about, oh man, I gotta go get this this physical every year? Or bro, did you get your physical this year? Did you did you get your prostate exam? No one cares. No one cares. And I sat down for weeks running through my entire life. I'm just talking to me personally now. Running through my entire life and I realized no one ever checked up on me. So I started asking my other friends. I say, bro, did anyone ever ask you this? Did anyone ever told us that no one cares? And then we looked at the women, right? Women have a better way of communicating, especially amongst each other. So you all talk, especially if you have, especially if you have a girlfriend or you you have like your husband or someone you talk to. Women talk, <laughs> but when you talk as a male, it's like being a punk. It's a big sissy. You always crying about this, so we shut up and we suffer. I think I was listening to another podcast with Joe Rogan, and he was talking to this lady who was also a therapist. I think it was, and he said, "Men live live lives of quiet desperation." In other words, we suffer through our entire lives, never talk about it, and we die. And like, this is during the time I was evaluating everything in my life and talking to the person and realize like, why is this a truth? Why is it that way? Why do we I have think, to suffer that way? I think for men, I mean, I mean, say that. You said nobody cares and then you get married and you find someone. Or you should be with someone that actually cares. Right? Should be. Right? Let's go to the operative word. <laughs> right. That's why I said should be. I uh, share something and I'm doing it while Anderson isn't here. Because he's <laughs> very, very bright. Private. When I met Anderson, Anderson had, I guess, been in a relationship with somebody. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. It had him sad. He talked about it. Talked about it. Kind of, um, I I indulged, and then he, um, I remember a few months in, he said to me, "I will never forget when I met you, my heart, my heart was hurt. It had a lot of scars." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Now, he said, you know, because my husband isn't." I guess schooled like me or whatever. He said, there's only scabs where the scars used to be. That did something to me. Mm -hmm. He said, you healed my heart. And so, I look, I view him, I look at him in a different light. I care about him as much as he cares about me. And I will tell you, he truly cares about me. Um, We've oh, tell we definitely need two more sessions because we've we've had our fair set of challenges, mm-hmm. me medically, and he. I will say this, and we could elaborate on this in another at another in another podcast. He became my legs when I couldn't walk, and he didn't have to. So we have this little running joke, um, you know, we would say, "Oh, somebody offer you." Five million dollars, would you leave your spouse? 
I laugh. I say, yeah. Because we know where we're going to meet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and even this, just, just Friday, that, that was a discussion come up. And the woman said, what do you mean? I said, he knows where we're going to meet. We already leave you. No, ma'am. Not in this life. Maybe somebody else, but not him. Uh -uh. So in that same part, that same van, like you, like you said, because he opened up to you and he told you, you know, and it's good that he had someone to talk to about that. Like I said, I talk to my wife a lot, so we talk a lot. I, I'm glad I get to talk. She can tell you I babble all day when I talk to her. And that's what you need because we didn't have it growing yes. up. You know? You have to be able to care for. You have to be able to not only care for, not only to show care, but to actually care for that person. You, If you're with that person, you you care for that person i mean with all the care that all the care the care you got inside of you you gotta care for that person so one more story about daddy go ahead my dad passed away august 21st 2017 july 25th two days before my anniversary and four days before what we call his death date. He didn't die, but if there was any day for him to die, it would have been that day. It should have been that day. Because he, he that's when he gave up. And I'd never seen him give up. But two days before my anniversary, which was the 25th, I'd go to the hospital and sit and talk with him when nobody was there, when my family was in there, where we could just talk. And so we were sitting and talking and stuff. And he, he asked me about Brian. And he's like, how is he? He's good. I haven't seen him dad, Brian, and coming to the hospital. So, you know, being coming to the hospital, you don't do the hospital. Mm -hmm. Just freak him out. And every time someone he loves goes to the hospital, they don't come home. So he's not going to come and see you. But he's preparing for you to come home. My dad had had surgery. So we would have had to do some stuff around the house to accommodate him and being in a wheelchair and all of that stuff. And so my dad says to me, I like him. I said, dad, I know you like him. He said, he's a good man. I put you in good hands. At that moment, I didn't know my dad was telling me he was getting ready to leave me. But he was telling me he knew I was good. Right? And so I don't care what anybody has to say about my husband. That's what I take with me every day. My dad said he was a good man and he put me in good hands. It's six years since he's been gone and I'm still in good hands. Yeah. So I care for him in every way. Now the stubborn island man that he is, he ain't really into going to the doctor, but I just have to when I told her, you can't be selfish because I need you to be here with me. You know, that is, I just have to do the little, you know, show them little things on him so we could be like, yeah. you, can't, you can't do nothing to leave me. I need you. I need you here with me. And even you saying that, right? By you saying that, I don't know if he would show it, but I'm sure he appreciate that. Oh, because yeah. like I like I say, we grow up and, and it's like no one cares. 
So to have someone actually care, you know, that mm-hmm. if I'm here or not, sometimes like that's that's all that is needed, you know. So, yeah. So the whole mental health situation, even when it comes to men, even women, women have these issues, these mental health issues that they're working through. And again, I think for us, I'm only, I only could say for Bahamians, the way our society is, our brought up see, the way things are ingrained in us, they need to change, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Definitely. What, what it was, uh, someone posted this old clip of Miles Monroe. He was talking to this group somewhere. I don't know where it was. And he was talking about um, how with uh, Samson, when he found the, the, the jawbone, the, the job, the dry jawbone mm-hmm. with the Philistines, and he killed them all, and say after you, he threw it away. And he said, in the modern time, people would take that and try to patent it, you know? And they would take mm-hmm. that same thing and say, oh, I just killed how many Philistines exactly. And he would, they would trademark it. And he used the word trademark as in tradition, traditions. Say sometimes we try to keep these traditions going when it doesn't work. Say that jawbone worked at that situation. But that doesn't mean it's going to work again. So a lot of things that were passed down, we need to start throwing them away. Now, I'll I'll say this because um, my my family has accepted it now that Rashad is, he does his own thing. He doesn't stick to traditions. Everything I did when I questioned it and I asked why was it done, if it's not sensible and doesn't adhere to today's standard, I throw it away. So... Even my wife, before we got married, we had a big conversation, but our marriage was completely untraditional, completely untraditional. The way we live is untraditional. The way we bless our children, untraditional. Everything was just like, but why do we do these things? We did these because our grandparents, every, yeah, it's like, but it makes no sense. Here's what makes sense. This is what we're going to do. And here's why we're going to do it. So a lot of these things, we just need to start changing them because, um, mental health is a serious thing. It's real. It is real. Sure now, is. the final thing, because I know we a lot of stuff we're going to come back and talk about, but this is one more point we have to talk about because we didn't even get to talk about your life, how you got brought up to this point. But this big word, this big, big word, which big for me, the big D, depression. How many people are depressed and don't even know it? I will close with this and we can pick up the next time because mm-hmm. I'll elaborate that. Um, in 1996, I had been proposed to the NN95 to get married. So we're supposed to get married November 2nd, 1996. I thought this was it. Be married by 25. I'd have my 2.5 children by 27. Life was going to be good. In February of 1996, the person I was with broke up with me. Mm-hmm. I remember the day, I remember the date, I remember where I was. Um, I remember everything about it. January. January 16th, 1996. I tell you where I was. I remember them bringing me home. I was freaking out. I was like, this ain't happening. Please tell me this is a joke. And it wasn't a joke. It, it was real. It happened. The next morning, I was working at Barclays at the time, so I just aged myself. Mm. Um, I went to work that morning. I was working in head office. I had cried the whole night prior. And so I went to work and I knew I could not stay there. I left work. I went to our family doctor at the time. And I said, 
I need your help. I need to go home. I need you to write for me to have the week off. He knew something was wrong, but I was not talking. And so he, he reluctantly wrote for me to be off. And in him writing for me to be off, I assume he called my parents and told them to watch me. For a week, I did not eat. I cried and flapped and cried and woke up and cried and flapped for a whole week. I could not think. I kept thinking this is a joke. He would call me and tell me that this isn't real. This didn't happen. We're going to get back together and everything is going to be fine. Um, fast forward, I'm in grad school. I'm in psychopathology. We're talking about our life experiences. So I'm sharing that. And my lecturer, Dr. Milayan says, so what did your therapist say? My what? <laughs> what, did, what did the therapist say? Who? Antoinette, you heard what I said. What did your therapist say? I said, stop. I'm from the Bahamas. You know, buddy had no therapist. Mm. So what did you take? What you mean by what I take? Because now I think this kind of funny. You're cracking jokes with me. I said, I take nothing. He said, you didn't have any medicine. You didn't take anything. No, sir. He said, well, based on what you just described, you had a major, depre major depressive episode. Major depressive single episode. And you're telling me that you didn't have any medication or didn't see a therapist? No size that God healed God healed me. And he was like, I need to talk to you after the class. Which he did. Because he could not believe that I actually went through what I went through without seeing professionals, having a professional treatment. Mm -hmm. so yeah we can talk about that more the next time but life comes at us hard have I had another major depressive episode no have I been depressed since then probably have I just I think I shake things up a whole lot quicker now like things don't bother me nothing's been able to get me to that point anymore I think that I could say that I've not been at that point. So, yeah. But before you go on that, because I know a person's going to ask questions on that. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> what kind of question? Because <laughs> you yourself went through that episode and didn't realize that it was, it, today no, would be I diagnosed as depression. No, I knew I went through something, but who I was going, one, I couldn't tell my, okay, as much as my dad was my type, I was stuck with him no more. I couldn't tell him what happened. He knew something was going down because he asked me a particular question regarding the person and I had to lie. Mm -hmm. Now, your guest may say, what was the question he asked you? So I will tell them. My dad asked me if the person asked me for sex. Mm -hmm. I told him no, but that was the lie. So your dad knew what was going on because then he would he probably would have been there for you to sit down and talk because to you. Because the doctor called him. Right. The doctor called them. I found out after the fact and told them to watch me. Right. So. So they were watching me. They knew something was wrong. I didn't eat for a week. I lost 20 pounds. 
that is severe depression. But what about I'm telling you? So how I, do how do persons recognize that? Pounds. I mean, beyond you could tell I, be, beyond the what, severe part, beyond the severe, because some people are walking around with different levels of depression, and they don't even know it. That part, the people don't even consider it to be depression. They say, "Oh, I just sad." You know, it went through this, and they just sad. But oh, people was, take their lives over this. <laughs> it was evident that I, I had dealt with something because you could see it. I mean, you could see it in my clothes. So your like mental, you literally see your mind affected your body. Yeah, I had to. I had to. What's that word called? I had to take in all of my skirts that I wore to work, so I could look halfway decent. It was bad. And people on the outside say, "Oh, girl, you working out? You looking good?" All oh this time. no, they was talking because it was <sighs> the situation was very noticeable. I mean, because one, because where I worked, two, because everybody every day he would come and see me because of where he worked at the time. Mm-hmm. And every you you know something you could tell some things changed. Right. So yeah, it was it wasn't like you, you could hide that stop mopping, stop mopping, stop mopping. It was evident that something happened. All right, depression. Yes, we definitely need to have a conversation just on cutting each one of these topics down because this this is only this is only a general <laughs> discussion on everything. So I don't know how you gonna do that. That's a lot. <laughs> In my head, I'm like Jesus. You talking a lot. You've been talking for a long time. May May this is this is actually mental health month. I mean, we have a whole month. For yeah, this. <laughs> we get all kind of things to talk about. Because I think people so, need to yeah. know. People need to know where yeah. they are. There's they a lot of things it. that are going on, and and if we can help, I feel there's a song. If I can help somebody along the way, then my living is not vain. And I feel like in this moment, this is one of those ways that I'm helping somebody along the way. And so my life's living is not in vain, right? Because I'm actually, I'm actually going, somebody's going to be helped by this particular situation, by, by me, by me sharing my stories or, or whatever have you, by us having these discussions about depression about grief, about mental health. So, yeah. So give me some last words to someone um, going through life right now. They feel some sort of way and they know that's not how they normally feel. So their mental health, whether it be their work, their home situation, like you say, going through grief, depression, whatever avenue may be, give some... Seek Seek out help. Like mental health, my tag is mental health is good health because you can't have good health unless you have good mental health unless your mind is clear as well so you need to take care of yourself and so seek out therapist um counselor someone i would say who has training who's trained in the field who understands um mental health i don't want to knock or bash anybody but it's futile going to somebody who actually doesn't have any training and then you're not getting the adequate necessary help that you may need so seek out help is important is imperative take care of yourself first and foremost you got to take care of you if you're not taking care of you then who's going to take care of you and so seek out help get help Talk to somebody, 
set up an appointment. It's not going to kill you. It's actually going to help you. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Antoinette Anderson. We barely scratched the surface of this mental health situation that we have, not only in the Bahamas, but worldwide. Um, and I think that is good advice. Seek help. Uh, don't don't suffer in silence is <laughs> the main thing because you can never know how far you can make it in life if you just clear your head you know have have that good mental health like what is it Gener- generation z just do what makes you feel good but at the same time yeah. find that balance um with life you know this is something we definitely want to talk a bit more about i'm going to have you on again and we'll break it down a bit more for persons who need more information but before you go again last thing Give your name. How can people contact you if they need to have a conversation with you? What do you specialize in, especially with your company? How can you help people? Do you have a website, Facebook page, contact number, email, whatever is it? Just let us know. Sure. So, um, Antoinette Anderson, um, you can find me on Facebook. The page is AS Anderson Consultancy Services, Mental Health and Wellness. I share a whole lot about just mental health, well-being, tips, their discussions. I post reels. Um, it's out there. I post on Insta as well under Antoinette Anderson. Um, so you can reach me there for sessions. Um, adult life enhancement. I do grief counseling, talk therapy, process therapy. So reach out. And like I say, the Facebook page, and then you can always send me a message and I, I'll respond to you as soon as I can. Awesome. So, yeah. so I'll take all that information. I'll put it on broughtupc.com under this podcast. So persons, if it ran past you too quickly, no need to worry. Just go to the website where this will be housed and you will see all that information there. So again, Antoinette, it's been good talking to you, man. We, oh, geez, yeah. just so much. It's a lot just of mercy. so much. It's a whole lot. <laughs> it's just so much. But we'll end up this. We'll end this. This. This part. This. I don't know if I'm going to call this part one or series one. Session oh, one. Yeah, <laughs> session one. Yes, I like that. This is session one of the con- consultation with Antoinette Anderson. And I hope to see you again. Um, if there's any comments, please just leave it. Any questions, just leave it in the comment section on the website or on the Facebook page. And we'll get it to her so that we can get those ans- those questions answered. So for now, I bid you adieu and see you on the next podcast. Thank you.